You're listening to The Tuesday Club with Sean and Kyle. Hello, welcome to another Lockdown Tuesday Club with me, Sean Holly, and the legendary actor, fast becoming legendary actor, Kyle Reese. How are you doing, Kyle? Yeah, good, mate, good. We got uh, a guest on today, Sean. Do you want to do a little intro? No, May we got two guests today. Uh, this week's uh, Tuesday Club podcast, I'm delighted to say, it has a real international flavour. It's got a rugby link as well. Two real good friends of mine coming on today. First up, winging his way all the way from Sydney, Australia, we've got the one and only Andrew Swain of Fox Sports. Swain how are you doing? <laughs> oh, good, Sean. Kyle, thanks for having me, fellas. I've been listening to the Tuesday Club and been very much enjoying it, so I thought I'd pour myself a Pandaren, a, a Welsh single bolt at 7.30pm here at night uh, down in Sydney, Australia, and I'd uh, toast to the Tuesday Club boys. We've got a lot of respect yeah, for a whiskey well, drinker. A yes. lot of respect for a whiskey yes. drinker. <laughs> yes, to the Pandaren and to you, Swaino. Um, obviously, you're in lockdown, and uh, we'll come to that in a minute. I'll just, just for our listeners, uh, set the scene a little bit. Okay, so Andrew works for Fox Sports. He's a commentator, producer. He's been working there 13 years, and uh, Sweeney and I got together last summer in Argentina. Uh, we both worked for World Rugby, commentating on the under-20s World Championship, which um, which was great, fantastic, great tournament. But uh, Sweeney, it's fair to say you and I, we sort of hit it off, didn't we? Well, that's it. You know, we call it a slight bromance. I don't know. There was there was um, a lot of time to kill in between match days, so we had to try and fill that time in and uh, seeing the, the lovely sights of Rosario, um, you know, walking around there, uh, you know, having a coffee here and there, uh, maybe a Fernet. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that um, horrendous drink, uh, but it's Argentinian, some sort of spirit or something. Anyway, we had a few of those, not too many, getting to keep the uh, vocal cords nice and warm, but it was, gee, it was good fun, mate. It was three weeks of absolute madness in, uh, in Argentina. Yeah, it was a great time. And uh, later on in the show, we've got Dallin Stanford coming on, the rugby corner who commentates uh, in in the US. Uh, now, there, there's a different flavour, Kyle, coming up with Dallin later on. So that's you got to you got to ask him. You got to ask him about how he opens bottles of wine. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Well, you right. remember that, Kyle? That's your job. I'll ask that's him. Your job. That sounds, that sounds <laughs> like a story I want to hear. <laughs> I've got footage which uh, we can put. Now we're recording this. Uh, we've got some visual as well for the first time on uh, on the Tuesday Club. So, Swaino, tell us, uh, we're in lockdown here in Wales, the UK, uh, the same all over the world, yeah? How's it in Sydney? Yeah, look, it's been pretty interesting times. It, it sort of escalated really quickly. Um, you know, within you know a couple of days, it went from we were, you know, calling games of rugby, calling super rugby games, uh, to absolute lockdown um, and in, in Sydney in particular it's been a bit of an epicenter New South Wales where Sydney is um, has been a bit of an epicenter here in, in Australia and there's about five and a half or five thousand cases of COVID-19 at the moment um, you know it, we're trying to flatten that curve as everyone is right and um, and also whilst doing that trying to stay sane um, sitting in our houses I've, I went to the top of my street for the first time in two weeks today just to buy some groceries and uh, that was you know that was actually really nice to get out of the, the house but um, yeah look it's madness but you've just got to make the best of a bad situation really don't you mate you're on um, you're on the north side there but and I lived in Sydney 
out in the suburbs. I've been there several times. Actually, my favourite place in the world, other than the Avon Valley. And oh, you know, yeah. But but you know where we are, where Kyle and I, are, yeah, I just walked the dog for an hour. Saw two people in an hour and a half. I mean, you're you're right in the city, the, the density of the population makes it a a, a massive risk. Absolutely, and that's the whole social distancing thing has been the message, and they've been really. Actually, I've been seeing a lot of police presence around over the last couple of days. Just I literally walk out onto the street and you can see cops. I live above a group of shops where there's cafes and, and convenience store and that sort of thing. And um, you know, so it's quite a busy area, but it's so bizarre. Like normally it's busy, normally it's really busy, but recently it's just been a ghost town. Um, you walk into the into the city. I haven't actually been there, but you go into the city now. I've seen vision of it. And it's it's a ghost town. There's just it's just dead. Um, you know the one place that it is kind of going off at the moment still is Bondi, and they've just set up a field hospital there because the backpackers are loving it. They're still getting involved. They're not getting the message that you can't spread. You've got to stop the spread here. So um, everyone's trying to get the message over to Bondi at the moment that you might just need to park those parties for a couple of months because we're really trying to get on top of this thing and get back to work. Yeah, I've seen um, uh, a. A video on uh, BBC News the other day and it showed, it was just a montage of all the major cities um, not just in Europe but in the world and it was something it was like some sort of huge production had come down and closed all the streets for some new apocalypse zombie type of movie, it's incredible scenes when you're looking at these you know vibrant, busy cities and there's just like New York was one of them and you know, the city that never sleeps, and it was dead. There was two people, and they were showing... Um, I've never been to New York, but what's the the main sort of strip where it, like, it's like a Y and you've got all the screens up the top? What's that? Um, yeah, Times Square. Times Square, that's it. And it, there was like two or three people walking down the street, and you could only see them in the distance. And I think one yellow cab drove past in the time that they were shooting. It's, it's, uh, it's scary. It's scary times. I tell you, it would be a good time to actually film a, a movie or a documentary or something like that. Like <laughs> you'd, you'd get some amazing footage right now, I reckon. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. You know, um, I mentioned there about Fox Sports. Uh, you and I commentate, punditry, your producer. Super Rugby's on hold, obviously, uh, right mid-season of Super Rugby. That's a big part of your day-to-day domestic rugby. You're a big fan of the club game. Uh, mm-hmm. Formerly player at Brothers up in Brisbane. Uh, famous famous Queensland club um, but you know like me and like Kyle as freelancers what does the current situation hold for Andrew Swing? Yeah look I'm sort of we're, we've split us up into work teams at the moment and I'm in a work from home team um, and you know having worked in TV production for 13 years a lot of it is done on site so you kind of have to you have to be there to, to edit and uh, you know, things, things are getting a bit easier remotely but so I've, I've spent the last two weeks, believe it or not, just trawling through the Fox Sports archive. So it's Super Rugby's 25th anniversary this year. And um, so 25 years it's been going and Fox Sports has a, you know, a pretty extensive library of those 25 years, uh, having broadcasted it from day dot. So I've just been trawling the archives, found some absolute gold. Like you know, some, some of the vision from you know, the late 90s through to early 2000s, um, you know, when... Super Rugby was at its absolute peak. It was the greatest game in the world. It was the best provincial competition in the world. That's arguable now. But, um, you know, I've just been trying to find some of that absolute gold. Guys like Carlos. 
go. <laughs> go Carlos Spencer, um, you know, uh, Mills Mulliana, Joke Rockathoco from the All Blacks. You had guys like Larkham, Gregan, um, you know, Latham, Hoare and uh, Eels running around for the Wallabies at that point, but also in Super Rugby. Um, you know, finding some of that and un- unearthing it has actually been pretty nice to do over the last couple of weeks. Get, take a little trip down memory lane and, and reminisce a little bit and, and celebrate those good times. A uh, um, couple of things on that. I, I've done the same with old uh, Osprey's footage. I'm going to put something out today or tomorrow. 2010 Magnus League final. We scored the first try in, nine, in the 19th minute, Tommy Bow. But uh, I recollected something that we had a very simple back play that we were going to run from whichever side of the field the lineup materialised and uh, we, we were going to run it whatever to see how Sexton, Gordon Darcy and Brian O'Driscoll would react and then we'd feed back to each other coaches off the field onto the field and then players on it to see and then the next opportunity we got in a similar position whichever side of the field we'd run it again and pick the option and it's, it's gold mate, it's gold because <laughs> Because Darcy and Driscoll, what we did, we run, we run the winger, which was either Shane Williams or Tommy Bow, in behind the centres. And of course, who, who, we had Tommy Bow and Shane Williams. Who did Darcy and Driscoll have an eye on? Who did they jump out of the line at? Well, it was Tommy or Shane. Well, unfortunately for Shane, it, the first play was on the left-hand side of the field. So we run it, and we were going to give it to the winger first up to see how those centres reacted. And Shane gets absolutely smashed by Brian O'Driscoll. <laughs> but it was galled because we then knew, we then knew the boy, I got the message on and Dan Bigger got the message back to me off the field saying, don't worry, Sean, we got it, we saw it. And we run the play again on the right-hand side. Of course, they jumped out. Darcy and O'Driscoll jumped out of Tommy Bow. And Dan Bigger had the presence of mind to ship it to Andrew Bishop because those guys were like, who's Andrew Bishop? He's not going to get the ball. Fish sliced through. Tommy got on the end of it, and we were in the lead, and it was, it was, it was brilliant stuff. So I'm going to do some analysis on that and get it out. And the second thing you mentioned, a player there, I'm sure Kyle was a, was a, a social media, whore, shall we say? Um, hey, come on now! <laughs> Can't we say stuff like on the Did Tuesday you, Club? PG man. Kyle, <laughs> have you seen Carlos Spencer's Twitter feed? I haven't. Oh, yes, I haven't. Have a look at it, mate. So Swaino mentions Carlos Spencer there. He's in his backyard. He's got a basketball ring oh, 30, 30 metres away, all right? He goes up to the camera. He does a reverse pass. Oh, is that the one with his son or someone trying to do it first? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. That, that, is that real, though? <laughs> yeah, of course, Carlos Spencer. It's got to be real. That's absolutely amazing, man. Um, yeah, it's got to be real. He's, um, he's, he's a freak. He's unbelievable. Um, and I actually called a game with Carlos last year in Japan. So a lot of the calling that I, I get to do is up in Japan with the Sunwolves because they're in the Aussie conference. They fly up an, an English-speaking um, caller. And uh, so I've been lucky enough to go up a couple of times and, and call the game. They, they booked Carlos to be my co-commentator for, for a game against the Blues, actually, his former team. And, mate, afterwards, we went to a little spot in Tokyo just down the road from where they play the Sunwolves games called The Hub. And it's a bit of a chain of um, rugby pubs or whatever. Yeah. But uh, had a cold Sapporo with him. He was straight onto the whiskey highball straight after that <laughs> and was just mobbed, mobbed by Japanese fans. They love him over there. They're so knowledgeable in Japan. Um, they know all the guys that, that, that are sort of, you know, former players and stuff like that. But he was in particular, 
like being you know the great Carlos Spencer, and he, he coached up there as well, I think, but just mobbed by fans and um, and can sink a highball as well, old Carlos. <laughs> Those hubs, Kyle, um, out in the World Cup in Japan, they're basically a chain, as Reno says. Um, they, they try to dress them up for the World Cup as a little bit like British pubs. Well, they weren't. There was a couple of posters and photos on the wall, you know, the odd jersey, <laughs> full of Japanese, mad rugby supporters. And you're right, Sweno, they, they absolutely adore their rugby, passionate about it. It's a bit expensive to be of those Sapporos uh, for us uh, Brits out there. But, um, but yeah, great country. And Carlos Spencer, you mentioned another one there. You work a lot with George Gregan. Uh, what's he like to work with? Yeah, well, um, the last trip that I got to do up there was to Fukuoka for round one of Super Rugby against um, the Rebels. Uh, the Rebels played the Sunwolves, and uh, George came up with me. And um, again, he's a he's a god. He was one of the the pioneers of um, of you know guys from Australia and, and and around the world playing in that Japan, the professional, the top league up there. Um, so he's got a real sort of. Uh, He's got a real soft spot for Sunsquare. He loves it up. He played for Sunsquare. They love him. Um, and again, like just mobbed by everyone. And actually, um, uh, I wasn't there at the World Cup, but uh, I got a small taste of it in Fukuoka. When you walk down the street with George Green, because he's so recognisable, I'd argue that he's one of the most recognisable rugby players in the world ever. Um, just, just you know, he's, he's got such a unique look. And... Um, and I love him, and um, and he was so you know such a uh, you know 156 tests or whatever. So, uh, but yeah, like he just gets mob walks down the he walks down the street and people just follow him. He's like the Pied Piper um, in the streets of Fukuoka. We went for a little ramen, a little cheeky little ramen, just to get away from the crowds. And it was he wanted to go to this particular place um, because in this restaurant they've actually got individual booths that you sit in. And have a ramen, and you don't get. You can just put the the walls up, and you don't get bothered by other people. So that's the reason he wanted to go to that place. <laughs> so he, you know, and he loves it. He's so polite with his fans and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, the reason he wanted to go there was so that he could just have a, a moment of solitude, enjoy his ramen. Now, Kyle, um, you and Sweeney have got something in common. Just noticed on this video, actually. I remember I told you on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Kyle, that the the hair is going to get out of hand. Yeah. Look at it. Trying yeah. to get to that sort of Hasselhoff stage now. I'll then go to the um the more that's, that's a bit rich Hasselhoff. I was just gonna say that. Then, You're a very modest man, John. Yeah, he's got a lovely wife, isn't he? So, 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 you know, just to, just to give <laughs> yeah. you a bit of an update, so far, I think on the, we've, we're 11 episodes in now, he's compared himself to Hugh Jackman, David Hasselhoff. <laughs> um, who was the other one? Was it? Did you say Bradley Cooper as well? Jeepers, creepers, yeah, man. Bradley Cooper, Gordon uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Harkett. And all like yeah. that is James Corden. When I'm talking to karaoke, that's what you've got in common, Kyle. So, you know, Kyle's got a great voice. He's a talented man. He's at his piano there now. He's got a beautiful voice. He plays the guitar, plays the piano, self-taught. And Kyle Sweno, I discovered in Argentina, likes a tune, man. Go on. Love it. What's, what's, oh, no, I can't sing now. Yeah, go on. Hang on a minute. I, I, I knew this was coming, so look what I've got. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
what's your uh, what's your go to if you want to say you're out now say like you're with Sean you're with a couple of top rugby players you had a good day and you go to a karaoke bar it's 2am and you think right okay uh, I need to impress now so what's your song that you go to and go right I know I can nail it I'm gonna nail it and everyone's just like what is it this is a setup. This is no, the setup because Sean no. knows exactly what I'm going to say. <laughs> I haven't said it up. So it's go. Don't look back in anger by Oasis. Good choice. That's the, that's the go-to. That's the go-to. Um, I can actually play that on the guitar if you want to give us a little rendition. <laughs> I know that Sean, we, we, we sang it a couple of times in a, in a quick story. He's, he's got his guitar. Oh, he's got his as well, look. <laughs> he's got his as well. Uh, I, I oh, wouldn't mate. say I've got the best voice. I wouldn't say I got the best voice, but I'd sing it with enthusiasm. And uh, normally you try and just get the, the crowd involved. That's that's the big thing. Get them singing the chorus and, and away you go. That's that's my favourite thing about karaoke. I love karaoke. Karaoke is I'm a type of person I went like I I don't oh here he goes. Go on then. <laughs> what what are, we, what are we playing, Sean? Come on, so you know. Slip inside. Slip inside the eye of your mind. <laughs> I can't go that high. You just sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I am doing though, and Sean, you'll you'll appreciate this. Um, during the isolation, I don't actually have any own any musical instruments. Um, but uh, the only musical instrument that I have in the house, and it's because it's my my four year old son's, is the recorder. You know the old <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Recorder. And I'm learning to play. Um, Africa by Toto on the recorder. No that's, way. That's what I'm going to try and do. Have that's you started early? Have you started? Time. I have. I have. I've, I've started. I, I, I'm not too far in in though, so I'll, I'll I'll come back and do one for you another time. Yeah, good. Because I, I want to see that now. Well, Sweno, see Sweno and his mates. Uh, I learned this again out in Argentina over a few fernets. Which I've got a bottle of actually, Kyle. I'll um, oh. I'll share a fernet with you when this virus is over. But um, they've got this like uh, WhatsApp group, so you know something. It's um, whenever they're out somewhere and Toto uh, Africa comes on, they record each other, they film each other, miming it, lip syncing it, and then send it on their group chat. Well, I've started doing that now. I'm nice, you know. Yes, I should add you just to the group. Actually, I'll do that. that, that I'll do that after this um, and just add it as a group because sometimes you'll go like probably a month and not hear anything and then there'll be a flurry of Africa. <laughs> uh, it's a very popular tune down here. Well, um, we, um, when we were in Rosario, uh, our hotel was quite near to the, uh, the – there's a massive river in uh, Rosario. Uh, it was quite near the river, but there's a lot of bars and restaurants up in the, in the main drag, if you like, but um, there was one little bar just around the corner so if we you know if we couldn't be bothered we had a busy day or whatever then we'd, we'd nip around there and uh, it was like a session bar so it, any musician could just come in uh, or singer and just get up and, and do something well we'd had a few too many fernets one night and <laughs> uh, there was a guitar so holly gets on the guitar swaino gets on on the mic and um, and start singing "Don't Look Back in Anger." So a couple of nights later, we're, on a, we're having a nice meal in a fancy restaurant. There's John Jeffrey, the former Scotland flanker. There's Anthony Buchanan. I think Bill Beaumont was in there, and uh, one of our co-commentators, commentators, Willie Luce, had brought a, his guitar, which he couldn't play. So I get it, and we end up having a massive sing-song in the restaurant. So you know what I mean? 
Oh, and the place went nuts. There was this one couple who were sitting about, they were sitting, you know, probably 10 feet from us. And they were there, obviously, on a first date. And um, <laughs> and the guy was so into it. He was so into the sing-along. Uh, and the, the girl, not so much, I don't think. Um, and, and so I don't know whether those two would ever... Um, gotten back together again because the guy was so into our thing. Yeah, he, he might as well have just come and sat with us because um, he was loving it so much. But that was a fun, fun night. And then, what about the steaks in that joint? They, they would have been you know, oh. two inches thick. Um, and, you know, the exchange rate's <laughs> not too bad. So you could, you could fill, fill your boots with a, a few bottles of um, uh, what's, the, uh, what's the, the Malbec, a few bottles of Malbec and, uh, and a, and a two-inch uh, steak the size of a toilet seat and uh, away you go. It was <laughs> unbelievable. That's the thing as well, though. Is, um, I was talking about singing and karaoke and, <clears throat> and guitar playing and stuff. People don't see people, uh, well, the public don't see people like yourselves, you know, and rugby players or any sort of sports people in that area, you know, in doing those things. But there's a lot of, I, I only know, know a few just from watching, like, the DVDs of the Lions tours and stuff like that, because obviously they give them cameras and the players and in their downtime. There's a lot of very talented people in the rugby industry uh, or sport industry. Like Sean, well, he's just nipped off somewhere now. I don't know where he's gone. He said, give us the <laughs> one second, one second. Oh, here he is. <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> so I should be laughing at you, Sean. <laughs> don't tell him what I, I said, though. My dog, um, she's come back from a walk, and I've given him a nice lamb bone, which he loves, uh, thinking that'll last half an hour normally. Uh, he's quietly chomping away here. I've just listened out, you know, with my peripheral hearing. He's in the bin, and he's just emptied the whole bloody bin on the floor. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Sean, have you got uh, have you got something in your uh, Tuesday Club contract that says you've got to mention your dog every episode? <laughs> uh, only after you mention your missus. <laughs> Right, so anyway, uh, I was, I was saying, on the, on, there's a lot of people in the sports industry that people don't get to see their sort of normal sides or, you know, for you, Sean, like you do a lot of singing in your, in your after-dinner speaking. And, um, yeah, there's quite, a, there's quite a few talented people out there, talented sports personalities as well, but that, that can, you know, they can play the guitar. Can play, like Reese Patchell put a, put a post up the other day oh, yeah. of, of him absolutely smashing... Um, Bohemian Rhapsody on the piano, and I've only just recently learned. Oh, really? Yeah, I've only just recently learned that, and it was a tough learn. Like I don't know if he ever had lessons, but it was incredible. So, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to say for um, sports sports people or rugby people. That um, there's a there's a guy who plays for the Wallabies um, named Harry Johnson Holmes. Plays for the Waratahs. He, made, he, he got capped last year against South Africa. Uh, Harry Johnson Holmes, um, loose head prop, moved to tight head this year. Red head bloke. Um, and sings like an angel, like it's like a combination of Fergie and Jesus. It's <laughs> unbelievable. I love that. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sean, yeah. I don't know if you know that, but that was, that was a quote taken from uh, Step Brothers, the movie. Yes. Oh, mate. Oh, uh, yeah, I have seen time. it. Oh, that's one. Right, speaking of movies, then. Will, Will Ferrell, isn't it? Yes. Will Ferrell, Will, I don't think... Riley, they just dominate. I don't think there's, uh, there's a, a, t, a, a, a film that he's done that hasn't just burst my sides. But anyway, on the subject... I just got to look at Will Ferrell. I just got to look at him. 
and I start laughing. That's who you look a bit more like with our hair. Is Will Ferrell, no? <laughs> David Hasselhoff. I'll take that as well, mate. I'll take that. <laughs> Right, obviously, Swain, as I am an actor, one of the spins we put on the Tuesday Club is uh, chatting to our guests about all things TV and film. So I will start off just by asking you, obviously, we're all uh, in a lockdown isolation station phase. What, uh, if any, uh, are you watching box sets, films? Have you cracked open some classics? What's going on? Yeah, look, I I, I do love... Um, the old Netflix and the, the Foxtel and, and all, all that sort of Foxtel's our cable TV down here. Um, absolutely love it. Um, Amazon at the moment have got a really good um, doco series about the Australian cricket team called The Test. Oh. I'm a big doco fan. Love the docos. And this, um, The Test, which is about the Aussie cricket team, follows the Aussie cricket team from when Sandpaper Gate happened, uh, which we won't talk about. Um, through to when they won the Ashes, which I'm sorry to say <laughs> happened. Um, uh, and it's, it's fascinating. Dustin Langer takes over as coach. And so I'm a big doco fan. Love um, Drive to Survive, the F1 doco. Oh, have you seen the both seasons of that? Watch both seasons. Yeah, incredible. Um, watch the second season in about two days. I was, I was all over it. <laughs> Love it. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, and then, like, in terms of drama and stuff like that, um, one of my all-time favourites, and I don't think this has ever been beaten yet. Um, it's a bit older, but Breaking Bad is one of my yep. all-time favourite series. Just unbelievable storyline. Um, you know, it gets really dark towards the end, but it's just it's it, it hooked me from the very first episode, and uh, oh, I love it absolutely. I, love it. I don't. Think... You know, I found that I I should have stuck with it. I think I did five, four or five episodes, and I thought. Oh. And I never went back to it. I mean, should I stick with it? That's what I was just going to ask him there. Did you find, Sweno, that it was a lot of people have said, like Sean said, that the first two or three episodes were a bit slow, a bit like what's going on here. But I'll let you answer Sean's question there. Oh, absolutely. You've you've got to stick with it and get through. Even even through the first season, really, like it's a it's it's a it's a pretty tough watch for the first couple, and then it gets more interesting in that back end of the first season. But then you hit season two. And the storyline just blows wide open, and it's so um, incredibly written. You know, you get to the very last season, the very last episode, and there are things popping up from season one that you kind of need to. Remember. I, I love that kind mm, of yeah, um, yeah. Th- those those storylines that carry all the way through. Um, and I don't think I think it was six or seven seasons long, Breaking Bad. Um, and so it wasn't you know, it wasn't too too long. They they ended it at the very perfect time i reckon right that's right you know so we've done a couple of things you're watching now another question we ask uh, all our guests to let us know a little bit about is your t- if you were well i wouldn't say if you're stuck on a desert island because we're all stuck in our houses so it's the same thing uh, the top three films that you would go to now if you could never leave your house ever again that you had to watch over and over and over okay so my, my favorite one of my favourite movies of all time is um, Pulp Fiction. Love it. Yes. Love Tarantino. Love Tarantino. Love just love the weirdness of it. It's just such a you know odd, strange, but awesome story. Um, you know, great, great cast of, of actors. Um, great, just great film. Love it's it. A brilliant um, performance. Can put it on any time. Yeah, absolutely. And I can just put it on any time and watch it from start to finish and not get bored. Um, now I've got a couple of like like trilogies, 
So like um, Back to the Future. Okay. The Back to the Future trilogy, love it. The first one's really the best, but yeah, yeah, love yeah. the Back to the Future trilogy. Again, because it's got kind of some of those weird storylines that are kind of through like linear, yeah. like you, you can, yeah, it's pretty, it's really well written. I wasn't really like fussed on the one where they went uh, back to the like the westerns though with the train. I wasn't, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I wasn't fussed back on to that one. Three. Yeah, I think yeah, they, no. I wasn't the that wasn't the best, but anyway, carry on. It's your film, not mine. And then uh, and the Star Wars, Star Wars. I'm a bit of a sci-fi fan. Love sci-fi. Love Star Wars. The original Star Wars trilogy is just some of the best. Um, cinema of all time um didn't mind the new ones like not not the uh not the prequels but the, the new ones didn't mind them they were you know disney kind of fun yep um probably more meant for the kids but but like I, i've actually got a welsh mate um knockout who i've spoken a bit about with sean all before knockout um knockout yeah get aunt. um and he and i go to like the midnight screenings of star wars is like so you're Earth. big are you a big so, star wars buff then Love it. Love Star Wars. Mate, this yeah. might be a good time, right? Yeah, I was um, just thinking, I think we're on the same thing here, man. If you could bang if, it out. If, if you've got a bit of time, Sweeney, then, well, you're not doing much else, mate. But um, <laughs> we we toyed with this idea of doing like a, a Rugby 15 from from um, from particular films or trilogies or box sets or whatever. And I'm trying to, I'm scrolling down our Tuesday Club uh, uh, WhatsApp group here because I put a Star Wars but Kyle and I put a Star Wars 15 together and you Brilliant. can help us with this as a Star Wars nerd so you know, then um, I can't actually find it now but I'll, I'll, I'll reckon well if he's, if he's a Star daughter. Wars buff I reckon he'll be able to bang a 15 out off the top of his nut 15 oh, come on come okay. on come on then full okay. back all right. full all back right. uh, full back um, I'm going to go Luke Skywalker yep. for full back He's he's got he's got a bit of a well-rounded game, um, you know. <laughs> he uh, can kick, he can pass, uh, he can use the force really well. Um, you know, it was a bit bit dodgy early on in his career, but towards the back end, he became a real master and a, a, a must-pick player in that fifteen, I reckon. Okay, well, I, I went, I found it, so I went Ben Kenobi. Okay, yeah, for the, yeah. For the a sort of a Lee Halfpenny sort of stuff, because I went Luke Skywalker as my open side. Oh right, okay, yeah, okay. Gotcha. That's, that's but anyway, that's, that's good. We struggled on the wing, so who who do your wingers be? Darth Maul, I said uh, fourteen. Yeah, right, Darth Maul's a good one. Yeah, Darth Maul's a good one. Um, what about um, that? Uh, like, what about like Wedge Antilles? Who's the? Uh, he's one of the the X-wing pilots. Um, you know, he's quick. <laughs> Quick in the X wing. <laughs> this, um, this is nerd. Hard to though. shoot down. Hard to shoot down. There you go. That is good. good build. Okay, good. I went Princess Leia on one wing. It's sort of a Shane Williams type. You won't like me saying that, but um, <laughs> centers. Centers very important. I know I'm an inside center. You're going to like this as a Star Wars nerd. I went Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good, good. show. That's good. He's got. A, he's got. Again, he can. He can distribute, but he can run a crash ball as well. Scott Kidd. Yeah, although he's a bit prone to being knocked down pretty quickly. I don't remember, don't, if you don't remember, he um, he got knocked into the Sarlacc pit in Return of the Jedi pretty easily. So that's probably a weakness in his game he needs to work on. This is gold, mate. <laughs> what, what would you put next to him? Ma- Mandalorian next to him? Keep the same? Yeah, okay. Yeah, Mandalorian. Yeah, good. They just they know each other really well. Know each other really well. <laughs> almost like a good head like here a... too. 
That's like a Samoan midfield, isn't it? Stay robust. Okay, ten. Ten's crucial here. I mean, uh, do you want to know who I went? Who'd you go? I went Han Solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like bit that. Maverick. Like that. Yeah, that's right. Bit Maverick, but also, uh, and, and he's got a good bit of sleight of hand. He knows how to, to, to fool you, fool me once. Now you see me, now you don't. Kind of, <laughs> a bit of Carlos Spencer kind of play. Yeah. Yeah, nine's going to be interested. Who who would your nine be then, Sweeney? I was going to go Yoda. Yeah, I've gone Yoda. Yeah. There's, there's the yeah. proof. I've gone Yoda. <laughs> Have you both just picked that because he's the smallest on the pitch or what? <laughs> Pretty much. Do things, man. He can do things. But, he can, but he, also, he, he can do things. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He's like, he's, he's got the pass of Aaron Smith, but the smarts of Antoine Dupont. Yeah. I reckon. Dupont. So, front row, front row, we'll start with tight dead. I mean, we've got to get, this has got to be an obvious one, tight dead. Jabba the Hutt? Yeah. Jabba the Hutt. It's got to be Jabba the Hutt. So, uh, another <laughs> another person that I've uh, been linked with. <laughs> oh, come on, you played tight dead. Come on, that was it. Oh, mate. Uh, loose head, difficult one. Um, oh, what about one of the um, Jabba's guards? So, you know, those big fat pig looking things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jabba's guard. I reckon he'd be one of not, those not, pig not, things. Would be all right. Not that you need to look like a big fat pig to play Luke. That's, that's, that's <laughs> a caveat in there. No, a lot of them are quite good looking. I reckon. I've gone for a real solid hooker. Clues in the. Who you go? Who do you go for? Uh, hooker. Need to be able to throw. Um, bit of strength. What about R2-D2? I've gone R2-D2. I can't believe it. <laughs> I told you this is a bromance, Kyle, right? We're just on the same wavelength, me and Strano. R2-D2. Using the force here. Using the force. Absolutely, mate. Now, uh, we've got a fair few selections for, for locks. Um, I think... Oh, There's one obvious one. It has, be, it has to be Chewbacca, doesn't yeah. it? Chewbacca, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Long yeah, air beard. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's, he's got smart suit ball skills. Like, you need a ball playing lock these days. Brody Retallick esque. Yeah, <laughs> quality. Six. Tough one. But, you know, you need sort of a an animal who can roam around and just, you know, he doesn't have a set role, but he can smash people and big ball carrier. Yeah. Um, oh, Darth Vader. Oh, really? I went for him at eight. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was a Zin Zambrook type. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Good one for eight. Um, six is tough. Yeah. Yeah, six is tough. I'll come back to that one. Let me yeah, have to talk about on that. On the one. dark side. And if it wasn't Luke Skywalker at seven, because you've gone for him a fullback, who would you have as our sort of Jacqueline seven? Okay, so there's a, there's a character in one of the early ones in the prequels. Again, I'm showing my nerdiness here. But his name's um, General Grievous, and he's like a droid slash um, like droid slash monster thing. He's got like four arms, so like you get him in the breakdown, he's pilfering it. Oh, is he, the, is he like the? He got like two green and two blue lightsabers. That's it. And he does that's that. It, wow, 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 like the. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. who he is. Yeah, he, you're not nothing's getting past him in defense, and at the breakdown, he's going to steal everything. He's going to steal everything. He's got arms everywhere. 
fantastic, man. It's fantastic. Well, I, I had to get. Um, I, I got C three PO in at six just because uh, he'd okay. be. You know, he, he's a bit of a tin man, isn't he? But I reckon he'd eat up his game and uh, you know, he could carry the ball. He's got all that arm around him. You know what I mean? Up his game. I, I reckon he's also he's also he's he's, um, he's evergreen. Like he's been in every Star Wars movie, right? Yeah. So, like he's one of those Scott Barty type players who's just been around for a thousand years. Um, don't mind it. Going on, go on a bit off topic. So who's the coach? The coach. Who's the, the coach. We got to, well, Star Wars 15. The, he would be I the would Sith. Have gone Obi Wan for coach. Yeah, yeah. Obi Wan can all be fair. fair. I think you, but you, you've you've there. missed out the Lord's this Darth Sidious boys. The you know the biggest baddest enemy that there is. Oh, good one. Yeah, or, or, yeah, what's yeah. the maybe new he, one? Maybe Snoke. He's the owner. He's the owner. Oh, the owner. Yeah. Darth Sidious <laughs> is the club owner. Yeah, because he everything. Spoiler alert. Everything comes back to him, right? Yeah, Emperor yeah. Palpatine. Right. So, spoiler alert. But um, yeah, that's he's the owner. So he's, he's the buck stops with him. Uh, <laughs> you've taken this uh, Tuesday club to a different level, so you know, Andrew Swain. <laughs> Look, let's um, let's let you go. It's coming into the night, dear. You're on your fifth Pendarium whiskey. Wait, 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 wait. What? Who's going to play you in a film? If it was a film oh, made about your life, you? who would play you? Oh, besides The Rock. Dwayne Johnson. Um, um, I'd probably go Bruce Willis. Yeah, that's a good show. Yeah, that's good. Good one, Swingo. Well, look, you stay safe, mate. Now, you, we were talking off air a little bit about uh, Super Rugby. It's in danger, mate, as well as, you know, the coverage. Just the actual entity, the governing bodies, they're struggling. Australian rugby struggling. Uh, it's not good times. Yeah, look, it's tough times down here, uh, fellas. Look, this COVID thing couldn't have come at a worse time for Australian rugby at the moment because we're negotiating a new broadcast deal. Um, you know, Super Rugby uh, in its current form might not be uh, in its current form next year. Um, you know, the, the, if, if Rugby Australia can't strike a broadcast deal, then they don't have anything to pay the players and the players... You know, they could go insolvent. So, look, it, there's there's a lot of things to play out, but it's you know pretty tough times down here. And hopefully, um, you know, hopefully we can just get through this uh, cloud at the moment. You know, in terms of coronavirus, because um, you know every you know the safety of everyone's paramount. But as a business, um, rugby down here really struggling, and and we really want a strong Australian rugby for world rugby, don't we? It's you know it's, it's they've won the World Cup twice for Wallabies. Um, you know, we need um, a, a good domestic competition to feed that that national team, and, and so yeah, look, stay across that on the news wise because it's going to be a really interesting few weeks um, for Australian rugby. But you know, and hopefully, I've still got a job at the end of it. <laughs> That'll be good. Uh, you're a talented <laughs> man. Um, you're resourceful. You're a lovely man. You've been a great guest on the Two C Club. Do you agree, Kyle? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Thanks Michael. very much for coming on. You stay safe. Look after your family. Uh, wish all our Australian friends all the best, Reno. And uh, I'll speak to you very, very soon. Okay, man. I hope I get to meet Thanks you in person one day, man. Yakida. <laughs> Yakida. Well, I'm delighted to say now on the Tuesday Club, this is the commentators one, you know, because uh, I'm a commentator now, Kyle. I've got friends all over the world in the in the commentating stakes. We've got a special one, you know, the ultimate Zulu warrior, the champion himself. It's Mr. Dallin Stamford, all the way from Hollywood, US Yay! of A. Dallin, thanks for joining the Tuesday Club. 
Oh, thank you very much, you two stars. The holster, as I like to call you, your nickname. Uh, Sean, thanks for having me. Carl, pleasure to meet you. You're, you're a Hollywood star, so uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's an absolute honor and privilege. Uh, you too, sir, you too. Hey, moment, let's be fair. <laughs> I gotta say, um, I gotta say that we had Andrew Swain, Sway now, um, and he was galled, mate. He was galled. He, he did a lot of good stuff. Um, and the reason we wanted to get both of you on, um, and, and possibly KT in the future, is that uh, we were saying to Sweeney that we'd work together in Argentina on the 20s World Cup. You work for World Rugby. You're out commentating on the US stuff, the sevens, the uh, the major league. There's big news out there, so it's great having you on. Now, listen, firstly, what's it like out there? How are you doing? Are you safe? Yes, all good. Um, so we, my wife and I went to the Vancouver Sevens. We did that uh, one at the beginning of March. And that's kind of when things started to, you know, become aware in the media. Um, and we were a little bit nervous. My wife goes on the more extreme side. So when I was going to the stadium on both days, she's like, you can't high five anybody. You, you, you barely can give anybody a fist pump. Uh, just say hello because you know normally you want to hug people and say hello and that sort of stuff and uh yeah, but it was actually we were so busy that we literally went up to the commentary booth did all the games and then came back to the hotel so we didn't really get to see anybody and the other commentators like sean maloney and carl tonana were all making fun of me because i was taking it fairly seriously um now again it's 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 not a situation you want to be like hey guys i told you so because it's so serious but at the same time, we wore masks on the plane, and then we got back to LA. We we isolated ourselves, uh, you know, from everybody else, and that's when the news started to spread. And Trump got a bit more serious about it. So we've been all good, but obviously cooped in as well. Well, speaking of Trump, uh, how is uh, how is it being in a country that's being run by what the rest of the world don't really see as a world leader? How's how's the country reacting to some of the things he's saying, and what's it like in Hollywood right now? Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a it's a it's a difficult time, obviously, for what's going on. It doesn't help um, having somebody that dismissed the idea of the virus, you know, um, called it a hoax. Uh, some some folks in uh, in uh, in politics have made a couple of nice nice uh, a couple of clips that just played what he said during different stages of the virus. It's you can't make this up. I mean, it's it's <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's it's crazy. It's it's interesting. We obviously hoped that there wouldn't be a world war while he was in charge, but now this technically is our war, right? Our medical war. Yeah. Um. And so I'm really glad though he has changed his tune and he's he's been way more serious about it, um, which is really helpful. Um. But it is it, it's it's a scary place to be with what he says. But saying that, the positive side, there are some uh governors and mayors of different states that have really stood up and and you know and and led their states. And I think that's the important thing where other countries your president or prime minister says something, everyone does it. Here, it's, each state has a different regulation. And so um, we, we're with Mayor Garcetti here in LA has been you know, really handling the virus well, um, as could be, and the same in New York uh, with, with Kuma. Well, fantastic insight, mate. Now, um, you, like me, we're freelance. We work on the rugby. We, we survive by commentating, punditry, interviewing, reporting. And all of a sudden, now, that's come to a halt. All of sport has come to a halt. And we've had the news that uh, the U.S. Uh, Eagles, U.S. Rugby, have taken the option to, I think it's, what was it, Sanction 11 or Law Code 11 of bankruptcy, is that it? Um, yes, exactly. How's that going yeah. yeah, to yeah, affect it's... the Major League as well? So, so I, I suppose one of the good things is that Major League Rugby is independent of uh, USA Rugby. Um, and so, well, let's first go back. USA Rugby time uh, here for the past 16, 17 years, it, they've always been in a tricky situation where they've been under-resourced and understaffed, and they try to deliver to a country that is so large and diverse and spread out 
And you can't even sometimes when you have a your one season, it doesn't work for the East Coast and the West Coast weather-wise sometimes. So it's just that it is very complicated. A lot of people don't understand that. Now, saying that, there have been some poor decisions made over the years. Um, a couple of them, one actually was the Wales-South Africa test match that, uh, that, that came out a few years back. Um, uh, oh, yeah, she was on the commentary in that game. But they lost a lot of money there. They promised the teams uh, a, a bit more than they should have. And the same thing happened with the Sevens World Cup. The expenses were too high for that. So those two things led to a bit of debt, borrowing money from World Rugby. And then also they sold the rights to all their test matches and, and, and rugby games to an online company called Flow Rugby. So all that has just led to a bit of a shambles. And now finally the bankruptcy hits. The tricky part is that they've, the writing's been on the wall for a long time. And so this was coming. It just wasn't anything to do with COVID-19. Um, the same thing like in Australia, where things were tough as well in, in their rugby union. So, look, I, I, I think it's a good thing in ways that it, they can rebuild properly from the ground up now. It probably won't affect Major League Rugby, which is independent money, which is great. Um, but I do think that the country needs something something else, something different, something needs to change. And this could be the catalyst for that. Fabulous. It's very Fabulous. interesting. Very I interesting. I, I don't know if I told you, um, remember about the time you were out in Argentina? Uh, there's, a, there's about to be, I believe, Alan, and a, a couple of other franchises uh, for the for Major League. And one had been in touch with Shane, Shane Williams, about doing some foundation work and developing a squad and an academy and this, that and the other. And and they asked me, Shane asked me to, to do it with him. Get, and he was in Vegas, right? Vegas. So I, yeah. I'm I'm seeking counsel from from Dallin out in Argentina. He's like, oh, you got to do it. you got to go for it. And I, and I was like, Mate, do you know Shane Williams? I'll end up doing all the bloody work. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but nothing ever come of that. Nothing ever come of that. Well, well, yeah. I will say it's it's so uh, the twelve teams right playing in 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 the US. Then of course, as you said, in, in South America they've got the teams as well. Um, the Los Angeles and Dallas have bought in for next year, um, so it's fourteen teams already. A ton of interest elsewhere. So it is definitely expanding, definitely growing, and. And we've seen some of the names you mentioned, you know, the Anonu's playing in the league and, and the Bastaros, even though he was a, you know, came in a bit unfit, he still moved to the Fords, did well in, in, in that setup. Um, the Beast from South Africa playing just off yeah. pressure for World Cup. Ben so, Foden, Ben Foden, okay. Ben, sorry, Ben Foden as well, but he'd been here for a couple of seasons, legend. Um, you need that experience as well in those big names. And I honestly think if, because a lot of people ask, well, you know, where can I make money in rugby in the US and how do I get involved? And um, but this is something. Major League Rugby is something that will be around for a long time to come. If you look at Major League Soccer and the success thereof over the years, um, it, is, it is something exciting. And who knows? We could still get you and uh, and uh, the hot stepper over to the US at some point. <laughs> well, if you're looking for um, if you're looking for an experienced commentator with a sharp technical tactical eye, Dallin, I'm your guy over there, Uzula Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had so much fun in Argentina, I will say. That was that was uh, uh, marvelous. And 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 you're a, you're a jack of all trades, I will say, Holster. I mean, when you're not entertaining behind the mic, you got the the guitar out, and you know it was just it was champagne rugby all all the way through. Well, well you're pretty entertaining yourself, Kyle. Uh, tell him all about. Or ask him about the video I showed you yesterday. Yeah. So apparently, I was told uh, by Sean and Sweeney that you had a very very interesting way of opening a bottle of wine, and uh, they wouldn't tell me what it was. So um, that was it. I was he was uh, he was like right. You got to ask him tomorrow. And I was like right. Okay, I'll ask. I'll write it down and ask him tomorrow. About two hours later, ping. Phone goes through. Picture. Um, press play. And it's uh, yourself there doing a very 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 good party trick about opening a bottle of wine. Do you want to just explain and talk us through it step by step? <laughs> 
Yeah, Carl. So, uh, well, let me let me go back. The 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 first and only ever time I did it before the Argentina trip. Random story. So, I was working in youth development here in California uh, with it, with mainly inner city kids doing flag rugby with the young boys and girls. And the New Zealand consulate teamed up with Frank Bunce and Walter Little, uh, who were two centres. Me growing up in South Africa, I played centre when I was a bit younger, and they were outside of South African players. They were the biggest names ever. So there I am in Hawaii doing a youth development program for the kids there with Walter Little and Frank Bunce. So, you know, I'm in awe and this is amazing with them. Uh, Introduce Frank to this beautiful future wife of his. And at their wedding that my wife and I get invited. So this is like three years later, my wife and I'm like, oh my God, honey, I just got an invite to Frank Bunce's wedding. I'm freaking out. So she's so great, Bunce and the, and the fat guy. I'm like, you mean Walter Little? Yes. So <laughs> brilliant. So go to Hawaii, we, we arrive at the wedding, uh, before the wedding, there's like a get together on the beach and everybody's there. And so we arrive there. The first thing Frank comes up to me says, Dallin, you got to help me. Anything, what do you need, Frank? He goes, I have two cases of wine, drinks have run out and I have no opener. And so I'm like, okay, no problem. So now in that moment, I know I've got to be cool, calm and collected. I've just got to put my worth in here. This is this the Zulu warrior finally striking it, it, it right at his wedding. I've never done this before. And so I go, grab someone's shoe. And he goes, what? I go, get someone's shoe. And he goes, no, no, I need to open the wine. I go, yes, get someone's shoe. Goes gets, gets like a tennis shoe of some, some guy. I go, cool, bring the box of wine. We go across to the small little building down the one side. And I go, okay, cool. This is what we're going to do. Put the wine in into the shoe. It cushions the wine bottle from breaking. And we're going to smash it against the wall. And he just shook his head. And he didn't know what was going on. So <laughs> I did that three or four times. And you could see the cork starting to come out. And then Frank nods and goes, okay. He pushes me aside. And just one hit, he knocks it out. And he, yeah, so that was the story how it started. Uh, and then he did the rest of the cases. So I actually never really finished it's popping it out. So when this happened in Argentina, I was confident it worked. I just wasn't. You'd try how long it would take. <laughs> well, it's I, all on videotape, mate. You executed it superbly. I thought he the did only, a marvelous job. <laughs> the only issue with it, Kyle, I don't know if you look back, right? And Dallin's massive on this. He was so thrilled that he knocked the cork out that he took a swig of it like that. Did it, Buffalo, mate. Buffalo, right handed. <laughs> correct, correct. But I did shot Buffalo as I did it, knowing my, my sins. <laughs> That's a good point to try that next. Oh. How were the sevens, mate? How was it? Sevens was great. Um, uh, so this year was really exciting um, for me personally this season because I, I normally do about three tournaments in the year, and this time I got six tournaments. So f uh, first time got to go to Dubai to commentate, and then to go home to, uh, to South Africa, where I'm from, to Cape Town. And mum still lives there um, to bring her to the sevens as well to commentate that um, with you know a bunch of family and friends. And uh, there was that was a special moment for sure. And um, and then LA was great as well. It, but the you know, attendance was obviously going to be a bit small because it moved from Las Vegas. And then uh, Vancouver was great fun, you know, with, with, with the crew. And then, of course, now, like you, we're just waiting and seeing what's going to happen. I've been told um, for the moment, October for Hong Kong and Singapore. And that'll be my first time doing the Hong Kong one as, uh, as well. So uh, it, it, it's been a brilliant year. And, of course, you know, but who knows what's, what's going to happen. So i got a question for you, Dal. Um I know a couple of boys who, um, uh, local boys who were picked to go into the um, the Welsh setup for the Sevens last season, and uh, he played for Aberavon, um, Jacob Flynn, Sean. You know, I talk about uh, scrum half, yeah. and um, he told me some stories about you know because obviously they get to travel to all these amazing cities and different places. I think he only went to um, Vegas, uh, Canada, 
But um, as a commentator, do you get involved in all the sort of shenanigans that nobody sees on the TV? And what's it like going no, from no, all these no, different no, cities? No, 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 no. <laughs> Are you trying to get us not hired again for any of the rest of the tournaments? No, there's no, there's no employers listening to this podcast, mate. I promise you. <laughs> Just outlander fans. No, no, no you, you, you're so right. So what I will say about the sevens, which makes it a little bit different, uh, because it's there is you know, two days or maybe three days if it's in Las Vegas or Hong Kong, um, and you're so busy, you're really from, you know, first thing in the morning, 7 a.m. call time all the way to 7 p.m. And you've, and this is the funny thing, when you, you tell your average friends, you're like, I actually going to go on vocal rest. They're like, what are you talking about? What does that mean? I go, I actually want to rest my voice because that's what I've been doing. It's my profession. Yeah. And you get really excited and get really loud when you commentate that you do get tired and wear it down. So the, 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 the my wife is so good. She always warns me, she says, listen, if you're going to even post tournament, you're going to go out for one drink. You're going to be in a louder setting. You're going to be trying to tell these stories and being super loud. And then you're having a few drinks and then it really affects your thing. So the second week of the, the next tournament is where you're really going to struggle as well. So you, you kind of have that fine balance of when you definitely want to be social with everybody else and celebrate. Um, but I suppose the last few times I've kind of taken, taken it easy when it's something that's a month long tournament or three weeks, like a, uh, 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 Sweeney and, and the holster and all of us were in Argentina. We had three or four days off between tournaments, uh, games. And so, yeah, we would have, we would have a few jars and tell some stories and, and there's none better, better than the, the mu- musician, uh, holster to get you going, you know, <laughs> he takes our guitar with him listen, everywhere. <laughs> listen, um, Kyle is a talented, he's not just an actor, right? He plays, he's self-taught on the piano. He's self-taught guitar. He sings like a dream. Uh, fair play. He's a talented boy. My talents, don't even scratch the surface of, uh, of young Kyle there. I was telling Kyle also, mate, that um, having worked with you for the first time in Argentina, some of your one-liners commentating, because Kyle Dallin would be first voice and I would be co-commentator, second voice, you know? So he has to do more talking. I do summarizing of things that have just happened. He called it as it is. <clears throat> but he comes up with some pearlers, you know, as they happen. One that springs to mind, uh, I think it was, it might have been the final, I can't remember, I, I can't remember what it was, I think it was an Argentinian game, and and uh, let's call him Sanchez, Sanchez has gone through, Sanchez, he could go all the way, oh, and he's gone down like a Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at him, how do I follow that? Gone down like a Nicolas Cage movie. All right, Where any, did you get that from? Anything from 2005 on, though? He was all right, he was back in the day, but that's a brilliant, that's a pearler. <laughs> well, Carl, Carl, the thing is, so you, you guys are, I mean, you're in the industry, so you know, you know, everything. So for me, I try to find a couple of humorous lines here and there. Some of them are, you know, pre-thought about, uh, you know, and they could be if you're driving in the car and you're listening to the radio or music or watching a movie. Um, so I do have a couple in stock and I used a couple in uh, in Japan for the Rugby World Cup and, uh, and, a, and, and a similar reaction because you're, you, when you're commenting with somebody, you have obviously no idea what they're going to say. And so you just kind of go with it. But I do think there is space and time for a little bit of humor here and there. Some of the people I've worked for said, we don't want to hear like 10 one-liners in a thing. I'm like, totally understand. So we'll keep it, keep it here and there, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Nicholas Cage save, one. Save, I, save them up. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Some, some of it are funny like that. So like, you know, I remember I was commentating with uh, Swainow. And I called him Swainy once, and they don't like that either. So you just got to be careful on protocol. <laughs> but there's one last season, Dal, you'd like this, and how things come into your mind, you know, opportunist moments. I was doing Leinster and Ospreys in Dublin, and they were smashing the Ospreys, and they were on fire. And then two guys came off the bench. They were brothers. They were Ed Byrne, and I think it was Ross Byrne, right? And there was a great flowing movement. 
And Ed Byrne tipped past it to Ross Byrne, who dived over, right? It was a great bit of play. And I've gone, oh, Byrne, baby, Byrne. (laughs) 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 And the commentator just looked at me as if to say, really? (laughs) See, see, that's what people don't understand. So you get the ones you can, you know, kind of prepare. Like, let's say, you know, Reese is going to score a try eventually in the game or at some point in the season, you've got a line that you're ready for that. But other ones like that you can't predict and they come up in the spur of the moment, those are actually way better because they've just used off the cuff and you've gone with it. I love it. I love it. Brilliant. I just can't I still can't get over that Nicholas Cage line. It's an absolute pearl. Well, my favorite my, my favorite one is um uh the uh oh, okay, so uh, again it's also based on movies, so you probably like this, Kyle. Uh so it was Samoa were playing Japan and it was a rugby world cup. They needed to get uh, four tries to get maximum points out of that game to continue their advancing in the tournament and they'd scored three tries it was 81 minutes was gone on the clock so Samoa had possession scrum down near their own trial line and you know you'd probably think they're going to kick it out game over it was obviously packed 40,000 Japanese fans going wild finally somehow the scrum gets turned over Japan get the ball they score in the corner so everyone's going absolutely berserk but it was the perfect time for me to bring out one what I've been saving for a long time um, and so it was um, Matsushima He's so scary. Freddy Krueger has nightmares about him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Do you know what? Right for somebody, I've got I've got such a, a broad sense of humour as well. Right for somebody who's such a big rugby fan and watches a lot of rugby, uh, and I will now be watching a lot of sevens rugby. Well, when it comes back on. Um, but to hear a commentator bang out uh, a line like that is for a, for a, just somebody watching on the TV. It's brilliant because, like you said, it does break it up, and there is I feel like there is always a place for a little bit of humour when you're watching a rugby game because, especially some games, they can be quite dull. And you know, if nothing's happening, if it's two penalties scored against each other, then uh, then I think it's great. But yeah, you you must be the uh, the king of the one liners with the commentators, mate. Man, there'll never Thank be a dull game with Dallin on it, I tell you. And I, I loved working with him. Hope we're going to do it again. Listen, mate. Yes, um, same, same pal. The Tuesday Club, you know, we uh, we like to have our guests tell us a little bit about, you know, what films they like, what uh, box sets. So we'll ask you for your top three films in a minute. But have you got a box set? You're out there in LA. You know, what, what's hot at the moment in the, in the Stanford household? Yes, good question. So uh, a while back, we got on to the... Um, uh, the, the kind of true crime documentary. So we watched a bunch of those. Um, so long ago, The Jinx, uh, that was that got us onto that uh, kind of uh, genre. And then The Staircase. And uh, what I love about those kind of ones are that in one episode, you're like, okay, this person did it. They, they definitely <laughs> murdered somebody. And yeah. the next episode, like completely wasn't them. It was the neighbor, you know? So <laughs> yeah. you go back and forth. And so we, and, and, and the whole time we're, we're talking nonstop. You think I'm bad? as a normal bad as in like I speak a lot when I commentate well my wife and I are just going in hammer and tongs so we do, should be filming us instead you know but the the Tiger King was obviously was a, one yes. of the most popular these days yes uh, the so Tiger King just, finally somebody's mentioning yeah. it yeah out of this world what is going on oh I mean, it's crazy and, and, and Carl, to think to, to think that's so I've been living in the states I had no idea I knew there was some you know in Florida there were some things going on with you know some 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 illegal wildlife and stuff like that i did not think it was going to be like that and this the 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 way they put it together though was brilliant i will say tiger king i mean they had probably a ton of footage to edit it all together to tell a proper succinct story uh, that was a challenge in itself because those characters are absolutely mental <laughs> um and then and then to lighten it up the other one we got back into um it was 
30 Rock with Alec Baldwin. Ah, oh, um, 30 so Rock, you know, brilliant. Just, just, yeah, just, just to lighten the, the mood a bit with Tina Fey as well. Um, it's, it's, there's so much talk about the virus. We just sometimes need to just switch off and uh, before we go to bed, just smash out a few of those episodes. So those are a couple of box sets that, that we've enjoyed recently. If you haven't so, seen yeah, any I episodes of 30 Rock, Sean, you have to watch it. Alec Baldwin, 30 Rock. It's, it, over here, it gets played a lot on... Uh, well, it, it used to get played a lot on Comedy Central over here in the UK, but you can probably um, find it anywhere online and stream it somewhere, uh, legally, obviously. Um, but uh, it, a lot of people, especially someone of... Well, I don't want to say of your age, like I'm offending you, but you are a bit older than me. But um, Alec Baldwin would, would have been more known for doing like a lot of serious oh, yeah. movies and that sort of thing, but he's comedy gold, mate. Comedy gold. He's brilliant. So and, yeah. And and Holster, what I what I will say is so it's the premise is that it's Tina Fey uh, from Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. So it's based on the Saturday Saturday Night Live characters and people. Uh, and 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 uh, uh, Carl's one hundred percent right. Alec Baldwin. Every, when it, we're apparently when you watch behind the scenes that the arrest the actors are like i can't believe alec baldwin's doing this like why would he be doing it? and he <laughs> is so funny the way he trips the lines and goes through it yeah so you've got to check it out the good thing is that there's like whatever eight or nine seasons of it so yeah. you, it'll it'll keep you busy during this time you know good i'll have a little look at that great okay yeah i watched tiger king with um with my son actually my eldest son and we just got right into it you know episode one the guy had 277 massive wild cats and uh, apart from all the other things wasn't he bonkers do you know, do you know, you know the th- absolute bonkers do you know do you i, I just want to being as we never we always talk about what our guests like to watch we never actually get into talking about them so being as we've all watched tiger king what's your theory said did carol baskin kill her husband and feed into the tigers and 100 do you reckon do you know why i think she did because yeah you know the part where he was in the cage it was oh, it was all coming down on him and then the, the tiger was dragging him in or the lioness was dragging him in and the other two tigers are coming round, and he's like yeah. oh they poured uh perfume on my shoes or whatever it is and then they, everybody knows he put perfume on my shoes and then they they'll they'll attack and she's like they go and interview carol baskin and she's like oh no uh everybody you know if you want a tiger to eat someone you just cover them in sardine oil and i'm like that's what she did what you can't you just spot on you're spot on <laughs> how do you know that how would but... you know <laughs> so you're so so hang on so that actually you so before that even happened, you're right. Everything was pointing towards her. And the fact that she's just out of this whole thing has just tripled her following, made millions of foot type thing. Um, and no one's ever heard of the husband. Everyone carries on with it. So, no, that was, you're right. That was a definitely give. I think uh, a lot of people, in fact, there's some shirts as well being made, you know, uh, and a lot of comedy gold out of Carol Baskin. Oh, yeah. Fabulous. <laughs> Listen, Alan, um, we're going to wind up a little bit, but firstly, we want uh, your top three films. Come on, you're in you're in the land of the movies. What, what's... I, I, okay, but listen, I'm in the land of the movies, but again, I'm going to give one because it's coming from your neck of the woods. Even though it's an oldie, I, I still, I, I think back in the day, I watched it like 10 times as a youngster. Braveheart has got to be on my list of, 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 of top threes. Classic. Uh, really strong, strong one. Um uh another one i would say is shawshank redemption i really enjoyed oh. enjoyed that one you know so kind of you know kind of reminded me of you know nelson mandela getting off the island if you will um yep yep uh and then the not i mean there's a lot of current current good ones but i would say my favorite one because i like a bit of a sci-fi and stuff like that um is back to the future number one yeah good i'm glad uh, he said number enough. one that was Swainies. yeah oh it was get out 
Yeah, he said this Back to the Future trilogy, but I said not number three because the one with in the no, way. No, number three got terrible, yeah, absolute yeah. garbage, you know. But uh, I even have a shirt that says we we don't need any roads, and it's uh, McFly on the hoverboard. So nice. Wayne doesn't have that. I bet it doesn't fit him. It can't. <laughs> so, man, this is an impossible question. Uh, requires uh, quite an impossible answer. Who would play Dallin Stanford in the epic film, The Story of Dallin Stanford? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, John Cleese. <laughs> Actually, he do a good bloody job, I think. <laughs> How tall are you, Dad? He's, he, he's just one of my favorites of all time. I mean, the physical comedy, I mean, obviously, you know, in my mind, I would try to emulate him, but he's he's the greatest of all time. So, yeah. Epic, Brilliant. epic answer. Well, mate, thanks for giving up your time. Uh, it's early morning out there in the US. Um, sun shining behind you looks fabulous. Um, I hope you and your lovely missus stay safe. Uh, get your hair cut pretty soon. <laughs> well, it's going to have to be a self-cut by the missus, so we'll <laughs> see how we go, you know. But, Carl and Sean, thanks for having me. You guys do a brilliant job on this on the cast. And, and when are you in Hollywood next? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you there, Reese And uh, Holster, hope to see you on the next trip, my friend. Oh, that'll be great, mate. Take care. Stay safe, yeah? Cheers, Paul. Cheers, guys. That's Alan Stamford there, the supreme commentator from Major League through the World Rugby Sevens, under-20s, World Cup in Japan. He joins us here on the Tuesday Club. You can follow us on the Tuesday Club on Twitter at Tuesday Club underscore, and, of course, on Instagram, uh, Tuesday Club Podcast. That's it for this week. Kyle, what a week it's been. Fantastic week. Uh, I know everything that's going on in the world is um, a little bit scary and a little bit sad, but... I'm thankful that nobody's able to do anything because we're getting the most fantastic guests on the podcast. Won't get any better than Dallin and Sweno, I can tell you. The commentators won. We'll see you next week. Ta-da. Ta-da.